On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast, brought to you by the good folks at Mr. Max, we look back at Utah's win over Arizona State, we look ahead to the Cal game, that and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. This is John Kuhn, Associated Press Writer and author of Pandora Reborn. You're listening to the Deseret News Utes Insider Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Dirk Facer joined by Mike Sorensen and Jody Genesey. We're here to talk a little football, guys. That was quite a defensive performance by the Utes in the 21-3 win over Arizona State. Certainly was. I think uh, that was the best we've seen all year, maybe the last cut several years. That's what the coach said. He said it was the best performance he'd seen in a long time, and I couldn't disagree. To hold a, a good team like that to 136 yards is pretty darn good. What do you think, Jody? I mean, Jaden Daniels came in. I think he completed four passes in the game, and uh, they really stifled that offense. Yeah, I know the Utes uh, coveted him last year and, and wanted uh, him to play for the for the team, but he really looked out of sorts because of the, the pressure that the defensive line uh, put on him, and the defensive backfield was tremendous again. That defensive performance, I mean, Arizona State hadn't scored less than 10 points in over a decade. So, I mean, that was, and, and then they only got three. It had been 140 games since they had scored fewer than seven points. So that was a, an epic defensive performance. It was very, very impressive. Well, it was. There were other storylines in the game, obviously, uh, one of which was the weather, which kind of uh, wasn't bad for us in the press box. We don't want to rub that in, but it was balmy <laughs> Pretty 72 dry up there. degrees yeah, and dry. Yeah, and that was the humor, and, dry. Yes, exactly. But uh, let's talk about Zach Moss uh, becoming the all-time leading rusher in uh, Utah history. Um, it took a while to get it going, though, didn't it, Mike? It was tough. You know, it looked like... Uh, I mean, he couldn't even, he was getting two or three yards, getting negative yards, and I think everybody on the press box who was doing stories on him was getting nervous because he wasn't going to break the record. And then as we're going down to the field in the elevator, all of a sudden we see that he breaks off that 32-yarder and gets a touchdown to, to break the record. So I think they were keying on him all night. They kind of probably, not that they didn't want him to get the record, but they didn't want him to, to be the guy. So they were letting them pass, and, and Utah passed well. So he was just kind of shut down till the very end. Yeah, I have to give Dirk credit because about three and a half quarters into the game, it looked like he wasn't going to get it, and Dirk said, "Nah, he's going to nine yard nine yards isn't going to be his longest rush of the game. He's going to break one loose." And sure enough, right after you said that, he went for thirty two yards. And well, and it took another takeaway by the defense to get the ball back too. You know, I mean, everything kind of fell into place right there at the end for it to happen. And I, I loved Lucky Foto's quote that he said that we really wanted to get the ball back so Zach could get it. And Austin, you wrote about it as well that Zach's parents were there, uh, and so his mom was quoted and was on the Pac-12 Network uh, interview. Uh, that was a really special moment. That's the first time that they've watched him play in person in Utah, and, and he's able to finally, at the end, uh, get that record. And, and uh, yeah, it was a neat moment. You know, it was a neat thing. You know, I had a chance to talk to Eddie Johnson, the previous record holder, earlier in the week, and uh, I'm so old now that I, I covered him back when I was at the Daily Utah Chronicle back in the day, and Eddie Johnson was really happy for Zach Moss and happy a guy like that was be the guy that broke the record, and so now Zach Moss can uh, look ahead to other things and not be asked about the record every week. 
but he still has a couple other records that are right That's there true. for the break, you know, for the taking. And so he's tied uh, with a couple of Utes for uh, the most four, for most 100 yard games, and he also has just needs one more for a TD record, so rushing yeah. record. Yeah, he's been, had quite the career. He has, and that. Uh, hey guys, let's just jump over to the quarterback situation a little bit, Mike. You've kind of uh, examined that uh, for a story this week, but uh, our uh, friend Tyler Huntley uh, got injured in the second quarter of the Arizona State game, left for a few plays, came back in, played the third quarter, and then uh, didn't play in the fourth quarter. Uh, there were some questions whether he'd be available for the Cal game this week, but in talking to him yesterday, he simply said, I'm playing. He's a man of few words, and when uh, he says he's playing, I guess we're going to assume he's playing. We'll find out if the coaches, uh, I know they want him to play, but it's a matter of if they'll play him, if they might think, you know, if he's if he's uh, at all questionable, it's possible they could leave him out of the game, and, you know, thinking ahead to the next game, they never would admit that, and they probably... You know, probably won't do that, but it's possible they'll say, you know, if we can get by with these other two guys and do pretty well and and win the game, then we can save him and not let him get more injured, and then we have a bigger, harder game the following week at Washington. Yeah, you know, we were all at practice yesterday, but you know, you see Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley. They just even when they were injured and there was question about whether they were going to play or not, those guys they definitely want to play, and they Tyler Huntley, of course, will never say, oh, I might sit this one out. He wants to play every game, and he's pretty confident about it. And he almost seems incredulous when you ask him that question, are you going to play this week? It's like, yeah, I'm playing. It's that simple. I mean, he wants to be out there. That uh, possession in the second quarter when both of them went down with different injuries, that was kind of a worst-case scenario there for the Utes there for a while. But then by the time the uh, the drive ended, they both came back in. And I, that was probably my favorite play of the game was when on fourth down when Tyler Huntley came back in and the crowd kind of roars for him to come back in and he helps get the first down and then they go ahead and score the, the second Zach Moss's touchdown. That was I think that was a pretty uh, awesome moment in that game and just showed you how much he wants to play and, and wants to be in there. You know, Mike, I know you're, you talked to both of the backups this week uh, about their duties. They both saw action in the Arizona State game. Jason Shelley, obviously, has a, more of a skill set as a runner than Drew Lisk does. But what do those guys bring to the table in case one of them has to start this week? Well, it's interesting because they've gone back and forth between being the backup two and three. I think actually Lisk has been number two more often. He came in first in the Idaho State game and he completed all six of his passes against you know some inferior competition, and then. Uh, it was the Washington State game where Shelley came in and he ran the ball a few times. Uh, and then this last game, Lisk was the number two guy. He came in there and uh, he didn't look very good. I mean, I have to admit that he, he threw a really bad pass that Whittingham excused later and said, oh, it was a receiver's fault, which it might have been. Uh, but he did make that, that key pass on third down to uh, Moss, which got on the first down. Uh, but he's more of a, a drop back quarterback and he's uh, the coach says he's most very prepared and he has a heady, heady type player. Shelley's more of a runner, uh, an athlete and he can he's a much better runner than Lisk. He's got experience. He didn't really look that great the other day. He didn't you know, I don't think he got a first down when he was in there, but he has five games starting experience. So I think he'd be the guy they would go with if they had to go for a whole game with him, but either one of them is is capable, but I think Huntley is is a big step ahead of both of them, so you would want to have him play if you can. Yeah, that's true. And then if you think about Shelley, you know, his resume, the fact that he had to win, you know, lead the Utes to some wins to get to the Pac-12 championship game last year, but this is a guy who started 
started in the Pac-12 championship game, started in the Holiday Bowl. He's got some experience, but uh, like I said, this year there really hasn't been much of an opportunity for either one of the backups to see a lot of time, so it'll be interesting to see what they do now. Looking ahead to this weekend's game with Cal up at Rice-Eccles Stadium, Cal has a senior linebacker, Evan Weaver, who leads the nation in tackles with 105 already. I mean, that halfway through the season to have over 100 tackles is incredible. <laughs> I think he averages 15 tackles a game. That's twice as many as anybody on the Utes does, I believe. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, that might be the only weapon they have, though. You know, the injuries have kind of decimated that team. Do you guys see a problem that the Utes might have with the with the Bears this week? Well, they're definitely a defensive team. You know, they've held everybody under 24 points this year, um, but their offense is not very good at all. In fact, their offense, you know, is last in the Pac-12. They're 116th in the country out of 130 teams, only averaging a little over 300 yards a game. So, to me, with Utah holding Arizona State to 136, if their defense can just show up, Utah maybe only needs to score 10 points, you know. Maybe right. they could go with their backup quarterback and get a couple of field goals and some scores and be fine, but they really have a they really have a poor offense. They're down to their third string quarterback, so I can't see the offense being a problem. The defense is very good. They've held most everybody under 24 points themselves, but uh, Utah's defense is so good that I would think Utah should be able to to pretty much roll past these guys without a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah. Cal has only scored 61 points in Pac-12 play. I mean, oh. the Utes almost had that much against Washington State. So, well, and if Cal sends another true freshman out there to play, uh, we saw what the Utes' defense did to a true freshman quarterback last week probably doesn't have near the skill set of Jaden Daniels. This could get real ugly. Yeah, and I think the U defense is, they got a taste of you know, just how good that feels to get that close to a shutout. I, I, I think that's one of the things they would like to do this season, is get that first shutout Pac-12 play. I, I know they probably won't come out and, and say that that's a goal, but I know that uh, behind the scenes they, they're gunning for that this week. Yeah, and, and you know what will happen? Some fluky thing will happen early, and they'll, they'll get one over the goal line and do something to raise that. But if Utah can get that, I'm sure they really want it. Well, um, one thing Utah has to do, they had four turnovers last week, and I I thought Whittingham said it, explained it well, said that the defense kind of saved our bacon. That four turnovers is way too many, and that's how Cal could, with that defense, if they force turnovers, that's where they could make them, They you know, make it a game. Hey guys, before we jump into Pac-12 play, we want to thank our sponsor, Mr. Mack, and been kind of a, a tough couple weeks with uh, Mr. Mack. Uh, Matt Christensen, the uh, the founder, uh, passed away on October 12th at the age of 85. He was uh, very familiar on television and radio with his commercials and a real stalwart in the community. Um, guys, uh, do you have any memories of Mr. Mack? A lot of uh, a lot of TV commercials, that's for sure. And I've been to his store a lot, so I've never seen him, but at the store, bought a lot of missionary suits for children and so forth, so we're very familiar with the store. But he was a great guy, you know, just, just from what I could see of him on television, but I never knew the guy. I sported some uh, Mack, Mr. Mack suits over in France on my mission, so had my thunder thighs going. They <laughs> were well constructed. Constructed suits. I'll give them credit. Looked really good. Well, you know, I, I was sharing a story with Jody before we started the podcast several years ago, back when we did high school sports for the Deseret News. We had this thing called the Man versus Machine Challenge, where we had uh, Perry's Power Guide, 
kind of a computer forecasting uh, service for high school games, and we pit him against a celebrity every week to see who would do better, the machine or or a man. And I remember we went over to ZCMI Center back in the day, and, and Matt Christensen was there, and we, we were able to get him to be our guest picker, and that was a lot of fun. Great personality. Uh, whether he was telling us the truth or not, I thought he said something about how he read the paper, which was good. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate that. But uh, guys, if you get a chance, uh, swing into your nearest Mr. Mac. Uh, they have suits in all shapes and sizes and can accommodate uh, our ever-expanding or shrinking waistbands as we go through life. And if you get a chance, hit Mr. Mac. And again, our condolences to the loss of Matt Christensen. Let's look at the Pac-12 all of a sudden now. Here's kind of an interesting thing. Utah can conceivably run the table, finish the year 11-1, and and not make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Mike, is that at all possible? Oh, it's possible, yeah, but I think USC, as good as they are, they're going to lose at least one game, and most likely would lose to Oregon, who's very good. Um, and that's something you fans should be rooting for. My column this week is about the Pac-12 and the fact that it's, it's, it's so much parity in the league right now with you know these bottom teams beating some of the better teams uh, and that's kind of a problem for them because they they don't have they need more great teams like Utah and Oregon are the best this year they're not maybe great but they need these teams like Utah and Oregon to keep winning and be up there in the top 10 at the end of the year so they'll have a chance to perhaps outside chance to go to a playoff but at least go to a New Year's Six Bowl so um, you know, Utah like you say they've got a route for Oregon to, to beat USC and maybe someone else because Utah may not beat Washington that's a tough game so they could be 10-2 and two and not go either they still right. would get a good bowl game but um, USC has been looking pretty good lately, but you know last year they lost a lot of late games, so we'll see if they can if they can get through the schedule this year. But Oregon's definitely going to be a tough game for them. I know uh, their running back Marquis Step is going to be out for a few weeks. He's getting ankle surgery this week, so that's going to be lost for USC. But they have three road games left, including at US ASU, and they have that home game against Oregon uh, in in two weeks. So they still have a tough schedule. But I, I yeah, I mean I still think the Utes almost need to win out. And, well, and you know. The schedule does favor Utah, obviously. I mean, the Utes still have a bye, another bye week ahead of them. Uh, schedule-wise, the game at Washington's the toughie, but they also have, uh, you know, the game with Arizona, you could argue, might be kind of a trap game, too. But, uh, you know, USC, you know, they're at Colorado this weekend. That can always be a dangerous place to play. The USC-UCLA game, you know, is a, a bigger rivalry game than Utah-Colorado, so anything can happen there. And then they've got that game with Oregon. So conceivably, Utah's got the easier road here, but uh, that doesn't mean anything in this league. We've seen a lot of weird scores this year, and, you know, anything's possible. But the way the Utes are playing defense um, and the fact that they have a bye and USC's got to play, you know, five straight games here, everything looks like it might be pretty favorable for Utah to end up in a matchup in the Pac-12 championship game with Oregon. Yeah, the key is getting past uh, Washington because these other four games, arguably may might be the four worst teams in the league that the Utah still has to play, so uh, they shouldn't win those games, but Washington's going to definitely be a tough one. Jody, uh, do you see, uh, I mean, Oregon's kind of running away with the North do you think Oregon's a team to beat up there, or do you see any chance that Washington or anybody could bounce back and win the North? 
Yeah, I mean, Washington has three losses. So I, I think that loss last week that Oregon, you know, came back and had that nice win there, that that kind of sealed and the, the, the Huskies. And the yeah. always are two-game swing. So. The, that sealed the Huskies' fate. And you look at the standings, Oregon State's two losses behind. So I think Oregon basically has the the North almost wrapped up. And he, obviously, like Mike had said and has written about, anything can happen in this crazy league, especially after dark. But uh, I, Oregon is definitely in in control up there. The Pac-12 South is a lot more interesting over, overall for the race because, I mean, really, there's three teams that still have two losses. Colorado has three losses. Uh, so, really, the Buffaloes are the only team that's out of the race. Right. And, well, you know, November 2nd will be a big day. It should tell us a lot about what's going on. And, ironically, Fox has both games in a doubleheader. So you've got uh, Utah and Washington followed by USC, Oregon. By the end of the day on November 2nd, we should have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the South. But uh, again, it still might come down to those last couple games because, you know, over the years, uh, we've seen some of these, even the Utah-Colorado games can have strange endings. We won't bring up 2011 because I don't think that's very popular with you fans. But uh, Speaking of bringing up things in Seattle, uh, which is the Major League Baseball team? Dirk is a big Seattle fan. So uh, I just was curious which baseball team has never been to the World Series? Well, technically, as we're taping this, the Washington Nationals have not played in the World Series yet. <laughs> so there's two teams, but the beloved Mariners will be standing all alone for the first time. They get to have a unique something, even if it's negative. But we'll take it. <laughs> That's a, a positive spin there, Dirk. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. Hey, uh, it's time to turn things over to Tom Barberry and Jody Genesee for Utah by Five. I'm Tom Barberry, and it's time for Utah by Five. Thank you. This week for the top five list, uh, it obviously should go to Zach Moss, so we're going to celebrate uh, the Utes' all-time running uh, leader. First off, Eddie Johnson's record held for 31 years. To put Eddie Johnson's uh, record in perspective, Moss was still nearly a decade decade away from making his earthly debut in Miami when he overtook Tony Lindsay. South Beach wasn't a ritzy tourist attraction yet. Detectives Sonny Crockett and Eddie Rivera were busting bad guys from Miami Vice, and the NBA was just barely getting a franchise called the Miami Heat. That record stood for a long, long time. Uh, second, I like we said earlier, it was awesome that uh, Zach Moss's parents were there. I thought it was really nice. She uh, his mom had some some great quotes. I uh, said it was a truly a blessing. It was really neat that he was able to come out there. I know that Eddie Johnson is going to be there in attendance this week, as Dirk has said, but it was really uh, awesome that he was able to do it there for his parents. She said he's just been a blessing, and I thank God how he has blessed him and how he's been able to do what he set out to do. And Zach Moss just plays like he feels like he's being blessed. And I, I love his attitude, and his, it shows where he gets it from his mom. Number three, not shockingly, Moss's NFL value seems to be rising. Uh, he's currently the ranked number five as the fifth best running back who will be available in next April's draft. Uh, the four prospects ahead of him, according to CBSSports.com, are DeAndre Swift of Georgia, Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin, Travis Etienne of Clemson, and Cam Akers from Florida State. So uh, Zach is definitely holding his own as far as being a, an NFL prospect. And uh, one of the reasons, uh, number four, will go into uh, one of the, the thing that Moss is just exceptional at is yards after contact. 
And uh, as of the latest uh, rankings, he's second in the nation in yards after initial contact. And we saw that uh, two weeks ago when he had that 91. No, i got to bring something up because you were capping on my Mariners, okay? <laughs> so I'm a Seahawks guy. And Zach Moss said that he patterns his game after beast mode. You know, so he likes to run through people. All right. So well, I'm going to have to ask in. him if he has some Skittles we can have. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just want to throw that in just to even the score with he looks. He looks like beast mode. I mean, you're going to have to have two guys bringing him down at least because he usually just powers through that first guy. And then that's I was really impressed with the way uh, ASU played against him, honestly, because he would get a couple yards and then he would get a loss and it it took a long time for him to finally get that that breakthrough. Right. And once he gets it going, though, like he did on that the record breaking touchdown run, you know, he just plows through people. Yeah, and, and even though he hasn't been uh, at a hundred percent, I know he, maybe this past week he was, but his speed is still there. He's for as powerful as as he is, he still has that nice quickness for a running back. So, so. kudos to Marshawn Lynch for uh, helping <laughs> Zach Moss. So, anyway, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> you can always interrupt us for your Seahawks. There you go. Uh, and finally. Uh, I was uh, doing a little bit of research, and I, I loved one of the, the stories that I read about um, Zach Moss and, and just his ability to learn. After his sophomore season, the running back took it to heart when the Team Leadership Council brought brought him to them and, and challenged him to achieve even more than he had. And this was after he had 1,173 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, they said, hey, you know, we, we know how much potential you have. And the one thing that they wanted to do was improve his practice habits. And since then, he's really upped his game. And, and now he's a terrific leader. And, and the Utes have a nice stable of younger running backs, and they're learning how to practice and play thanks to Zach Moss. So that is our Utah by 5 for this week. Jody, appreciate it. Can you uh, let our listeners know how they can read the newsletter every week? Yeah, our Ute Insiders newsletter comes out every Wednesday. Go to Deseret.com and subscribe to the newsletter, and you will not be sorry. All right. We appreciate that. Before we call it another week, uh, Mike, uh, you've been involved with basketball a little bit. Tell us what's going on with the Utes. I guess they open the season. Uh, well, they have an exhibition game coming up, and then they open the season on the road, which is kind of rare. Yeah, they play uh, next Wednesday, the day before Halloween. They play uh, Texas Tyler Division Three school, uh, just a warm-up game, and they'll probably have their, they always have a secret game against uh, a major college team, which we never we know who they play, but we usually find out after the fact about that. That'll be sometime in the next 10 days. And then they open against Reno, Nevada, in Reno on uh, November 5th. And then they come back home for a game. I believe it's Mississippi Valley State that same week. The annual visit. Yes, by the, for the, one of the worst teams Devils. in the league. Yeah. But they do have a better schedule this year. They play, they play Kentucky and Minnesota, BYU, San Diego State. So I did upgrade their schedule this year and a little fewer home games. But uh, it's going to be a tough year. If, you know, they'll be, they got a lot of young guys, so we'll see how it goes. And this, if this preseason will help them out. So once they get to the Pac-12, they might be uh, ready to go. Yeah, and I know. Uh, uh, that first week in November, though, Utah women uh, head to Cincinnati. I think they play Cincinnati and Xavier. So a lot of early road games for basketball. So Yeah, it's going to be good schedules for both the men and the women. We'll see. Well, hey, before we call it a, a show, I want to thank uh, Richie. Congratulations. Uh, Richie, our engineer behind the scenes, got married. Uh, can you scream something? Tell us how that went. I mean, it was great. Being married is great. Being being single for the while that I was, also great. Being married, so much better. Now, is it more fun to do the show as a married man or a single guy? Well, listen, the show, I think, was so much better just because I was married. So I, I feel you like go. you guys pulled it together. I don't know I don't know how the two relate, but, I mean, you guys brought it maybe just because I'm married. 
Well, congratulations, and we appreciate all you do. And want to thank our boss, Kent. He's the executive producer slash uh, editor-in-chief, uh, any other titles he wants. And uh, he's too shy to come on the air, but he's here uh, watching over us like a hawk and doing a great job. So appreciate Richie and Kent. Mike and Jody, thank you for being on the show this week. want to thank all of our listeners and invite you to tell your friends to get on board and listen to the podcast. We also want to thank our sponsor, Mr. Mac, one more time. And we'll talk to you later.